Welcome in everyone to this episode of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damien here with my co-host David and Matt. And today we're bringing you guys the division breakdown. Last time we did one was June 27th, so it's been quite a while, but uh, excited to give you guys the update on what these standings look like now since it's been about a month and a half since our last one. But before we get on to that, David, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Had a, a bit of a plumbing issue the other day, which wasn't wasn't so fun. Plumbers are really expensive. Don't don't uh, don't bother with those if you can. But uh, you know, overall, it's it's been a, a nice weekend, and you know, with my Cubs playing really well right now, it's uh it's been especially nice to be a baseball fan. And we're getting excited coming to the home stretch, getting ready for playoff baseball. Uh, it's going to be exciting to kind of break down who's going to be getting close to the, the playoffs and who's uh, falling out of contention and updating since the last time so how you doing matt uh i'm doing pretty good um been uh just hanging out watching the braves play it's been a little bit up and down lately but the weekend was really fun um against the mets i think they outscored the mets by like 35 runs over the weekend so i enjoyed (laughs) watching that (laughs) and um then uh yeah everything's been uh pretty good i think i'm actually going to the braves game on saturday they're facing the giants so that should be fun and i think it'll probably be freed pitching so which would be awesome it's either freed or strider i think because uh i think uh they got morton tomorrow and then whoever yanni chirinos or somebody on friday and then it'll be freed strider for the weekend so um looking forward to that it'll be fun but uh how are you doing damien i'm doing well uh since last time we recorded my team has been undefeated uh, so that can never complain about a an undefeated week here and they've been on a roll and really pulled out this division gap so that's been a lot of fun and this weekend really just hung out and didn't do much just sat at home watched the games watched some racing and uh, some preseason football got to see anthony richardson play some as an colts fan and ex- was excited for that one but uh overall just nice fun enjoyable weekend and ready to uh ready to jump in here because my oh my have these standings changed since the last time that we uh we talked about it Uh, So the last time that we did a breakdown, the Tampa Bay Rays led the AL East. The Baltimore Orioles were second, four games back. The Yankees were in third, nine and a half games back. The Blue Jays were fourth, 10 games back. And the Red Sox were fifth, 13 games back. Well, looking at this division now, the Baltimore Orioles now lead by three games over the Tampa Bay Rays. The Toronto Blue Jays are third, eight and a half games back. The Boston Red Sox are fourth, 11 and a half games back, and the New York Yankees have fallen to last place in this division, one game above 500, 14 games back. Uh, so the AL East has had quite a bit of change since the last one. What do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, um, it's been a very interesting division. The Orioles are still playing extremely good baseball. Um, you know, I, I'm still a little concerned about their rotation, but I believe Jack Flaherty has been pretty good since he got there. Um, so that's been nice for them to, to have him, um, to, to have him play as well as he has and pitch as well as he has. And then, uh, you know, I, I think that they have just kind of continued to play the same pace basically all year. And, um, you know, the Rays had been off to that insanely good start and then they had some issues. They've had so many injuries and just players out. They've got like their rotation of players, starting rotation of players who are in the IL and out for the year is probably like a top five rotation in all of baseball. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, you've got uh, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, uh, Shane Boz, like those three guys. And then you've got now Shane McClanahan, who 
is about to have Tommy John surgery. That's news that broke today. So you've got like four guys in that rotation who are legitimate, like top two at least, top two or three in the rotation type arms for pretty much any team that are out for the year. And then now you have your superstar shortstop and Wander Franco, who's been had a breakout season and has really been a star this year, is um, you know dealing with some off the field stuff that it, it really doesn't look good. He's been placed on the restricted list, so he's out now. And uh, I'll be surprised if he's back anytime soon. So, um, you know, you look at that and I mean, the Rays, they still got a great record. They're going to make the playoffs, but they're definitely tailing off. And, and it just all these issues that they've got now, it just that seems like it's going to be tough for them to, to re, regain anything. And I mean, the Orioles have an eight and a half game advantage on the team that I think is probably the most likely to gain games on them in the Blue Jays. So I think the Orioles really this is their division to lose right now. Um, you know, the Blue Jays will be a good playoff team. They've got some issues, but they're, they're a solid team. The Red Sox, they're okay. The Yankees have been a disaster lately. And, um, I mean, I've been watching, um, I've been, I've been watching them last night and and tonight so far. And that team just, there's nobody other than Aaron judge. Who's not a hundred percent still, uh, in that lineup that even somewhat worries you. I mean, like their second best hitter is probably Glaber Torres, but Stanton's been bad. I mean, like the, it's everyone. Everyone's hurt. Rizzo's hurt. Like that whole team is is is. It was poorly constructed to start with, and it's you know they've had bad luck with injuries and stuff too. So, um, you know, I'm surprised they're they're very lucky to be above 500 right now, and that might not last very much longer. So, yeah, you know, you I think the the AL East is a story of kind of couple of the the underrated franchises and the the big franchises moving in opposite directions. You've got Baltimore moving up with their the calling up of their superstars who are carrying the team right now, right? I mean Gunnar Henderson's been he's got like a 125 WRC plus. He's been playing so well. Um Adley Rutschman's been very solid and I think that's going to kind of be where he settles in as kind of a top five catcher in baseball, maybe not the best defensive catcher in baseball like he was last year, but just a really solid player um, leading this team. You know, know, you've got Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins. Those guys are all just putting together great plate appearances every single day. Um, And, and, you know, with regard to their pitching staff, right? That's a team that, you know, is employing like Kyle Gibson, who is currently being a really good, you know, number two starter. It's shocking that they've arisen this fast, but they had to. And I think that's the big thing is that this is a team that has risen to the occasion, despite the drama of the off field, you know, with Angelos and the the family and them really only making one move at the trade deadline for Jack Flaherty, like you said. It's it's a team that is on the rise, and they've taken advantage of the Rays' mishaps, I think, and then also the Yankees' mishaps, the the Red Sox' mishaps, the the Alec Manoa situation in Toronto. I mean, this you're right. I think this is an Orioles division to lose, and you know the Blue Jays and the Rays are probably occupying two of your wild card slots going in, but you know there's still a lot of baseball to be played. So, uh, you know, for now, I think. I think that's a good wrap on the, the AL East, but you know, the Rays are such a a volatile team with Glass now and Eflin still pitching as ace level guys and Aaron Savale coming over from 
the Guardians. I mean, that trade looks huge now with McClanahan out next year. Uh, it's just so I, I it's a two horse race, but it's two tough horses and two tough outs in the playoffs. It's incredible the depth the Rays built this year. Like the fact that they're still not just totally dead on the mound is insane. I mean, we've seen you know the Braves have for the most of the year been the best team in baseball. We've seen that their pitching has just been not great lately because of the injuries to, to, to Freed and to Kyle Wright. Like, and in a team that was thought of as being like the best team in baseball is struggling with these pitching injuries. And then you've got a team like the Rays who just it seems like they're still really good on the mound. Like, even with all the injuries, I mean, like like I said, that that four in their rotation that is on the IL would be like. I would take that rotation over anybody else's in baseball right now. I mean, it's just crazy to me that that is their IL rotation and they're still not bad in the, in the big leagues. So, um, I mean, it, I, I hate it for them that they've had all these issues. Cause man, that team, that that's, that's one of those teams. It's going to be a, what if team, you know, what if this team had mm-hmm. stuck together and stayed on the field all year, I think at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, they've done a great job at, you know, that's kind of what the Rays always do. They're always a team that has a ton of depth, but they, their pitching has been tested even more than, you know, we've seen them build the depth before. Um, it's been tested this year, uh, and they've done a great job at it. And like you said, that, that IL rotation is a rotation that you would take in a playoff series to in a World Series, you know. So uh, they've done a great job so far, McClanahan being out, and then obviously whatever the uh, – other situation that they're going to have to deal with with Wander, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But it's it's fun to see the Orioles uh, leading this division. Uh, that, that's yeah, really really fun. It really is. Um, so let's go ahead and jump over to the American League Central now, where the last time we recorded, the Twins led it by only half a game over the Guardians. Tigers uh, were third, four and a half out. White Sox were six out, and then the Royals were seventeen out. Uh, now we look at it. Minnesota leads the division still, and they have a four and a half game lead now over uh, over Cleveland. Detroit is still third, but now they've they're eight games out. The White Sox have fallen to fourteen and a half games out, and then Kansas City is twenty three games out. So David, the you know the Twins are pulling a little bit of a lead here in the AL Central as we're in the middle of August. They are, and it's it's on the strength of their starting pitching. Um, Sonny Gray has been very very strong. He's going to get a really big deal in free agency this year i think uh in terms of it'll probably be shorter term he's like 33 but you know sunny grace coming out and he's got a 3.04 era but a 2.79 fifth so you know he's very he's controlling the home run ball basically is what is what that's saying and you know the stuff he can control he's doing a very good job of it he's walking up He's walking a little bit more guys than you'd expect for a, a guy with that kind of nasty stuff, but it doesn't seem to matter, and it doesn't seem like anybody can square him up, right? He's keeping the ball in the ballpark better than just about anybody else in baseball right now with like a 4.6% homer for fly ball rate, which just means guys aren't squaring him up. And with he's got the nasty sweeper uh, to pair with like a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. I mean, he's always had really good stuff, even when we, he was on the Reds. You combine him with Pablo Lopez, who came over in that Luis Arias trade, and that trade just keeps looking better and better for both teams, man. Lopez is really thriving, striking out so many guys this season. And Joe Ryan's been striking out a lot of guys, too. This is a rotation that I think it might be one of the tough, like the the sneaky tough outs in the playoffs. You'll have, um, you know, Gray, Lopez, and probably Ryan, and it could be Kenta Maeda too, who's 
who got a 3.97 ERA, but he's got a lot of strikeouts as well. Uh, they, this pitching staff development's figured something out, and they, they look really, really dangerous. You know, The big problem for the Minnesota all season has been that offense, and I, I don't know if you know, they'll figure you know, they'll figure Carlos Correa out this season, but they've got him for six years, right? They'll they'll have to make make do with the production that they're getting from him. Byron Buxton has not been good this season, right? A ninety nine WRC plus. That's just not enough uh, for a guy of that stature. And I think he's had some more injury issues. The the two best hitters on Minnesota right now are Ryan Jeffers and Eduardo Julian. So yeah. <laughs> Julian might be making a run for AL rookie of the year, but <laughs> You know, you, you can't I don't know how well you can rely on those two guys when it comes to playoff time, given their lack of experience there. So uh, Minnesota is questionable, but I, I think this division is kind of I would I don't want to call it yet, but it looks like there's to lose because the Guardians sold at the deadline. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stick a fork in this division. Uh, I think the twins are going <laughs> to run away with it. They've got for, for, to start with. They've got the easiest strength of schedule remaining in baseball. Uh, outside of the Cubs, I think the Cubs have the easiest, and the, and the Twins are the second easiest at uh, 478 winning percentage by their teams remaining, which is a big deal. Uh, you kind of expect that in the AL Central, but they've got a lot of games against those bottom tier teams left. Um, you look at that, and then um, you know if you look at the Fangraphs playoff odds, they're at a 91% chance to win their division right now, which. Uh, the only two teams with the higher odds to win their division are the Braves and Dodgers, who are the two, probably the two best teams in baseball. So you've got, you know, you, you've got that. And I mean, it's just, it's going to be tough. I mean, the Guardians just don't have any offense. And then everyone else is just in this division, just terrible. So, I mean, the White Sox are making a run at like 100 losses now. And, you know, the Tigers are a little better than they were last year, but they're really bad. The Royals, without notwithstanding what Bobby Witt Jr. has been doing lately are um, are really bad too. So, I mean, the Twins, easy uh, right now to, to win, in my opinion. And, and part of their way that they've kind of pulled away a little bit, I mean, they have been playing better baseball. They've been hovering around 500 all year. I think they're four games over now. And, you know, David mentioned the offense. The offense had been really, really bad. But over the last 30 days, they've got like a 120 WRC plus as an offense. So there's been some improvement shown. Um, you know, like yep. you said, my man, Edward Julian, the Auburn guy is, uh, doing really, really well for them. And, and, and then they've also got some guys that have come back and gotten healthy. Like Jorge Polanco is a guy that I know that they had counted on coming back. Um, you know, he's got a 109 WRC plus in, in 16 games. Um, you know, um, it looks like, uh, you know, Byron Buxton's coming around a little bit, a 122 WRC plus in his last 30 days. Um, you know, I mean, Alex Kirilov's been playing a little bit better. Like, they, they've started to play a little bit better, hit a little bit better. Max Kepler's actually been on fire for the last month, too. He's got a 159 WRC plus for the last month. So, um, you know, that's a that's a, that's a a group that's starting to play a little bit better. I still don't think they're going to win a round in the playoffs. But you never know. I mean, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Pablo Lopez, like, you've got some pitchers there that can give a team problems in that you know, three versus six series because you're going to be playing the worst wild card, which is, I think, is probably going to be the. It's Dale West wild card, probably. I, I think it'll be the East. I think or the, the Blue Jays. Yeah, I was going to say it'll probably be the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. I mean, 
So that could be an interesting series to, to see. But um, definitely, um, you know, the Twins are going to have an opportunity to break a insane streak this year because they are going to make the playoffs. They're going to have an opportunity to win a playoff game, which I think they've lost like 18 in a row or something. So um, that'll be very interesting to see if they can do that. But Is it? Is it not a game? They have not won they a game. They haven't won a playoff game. They've been swept in like game. their last four or five series they've pl- they played. It's it's yeah. since they knocked out the, the 2002 yeah. Oakland A's, right? Right. They've lost every single game since then in the playoffs. Yeah. The karma. It's the karma. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're talking about the Twins there too, and, and you mentioned the struggles with Correa. Since August has started, he has a 130 WRC plus as well. Like he's five five twelve slugging. He's starting to find it a little bit. Even the last week, he batted three seventy five with a one point three one three OPS. So I mean, if they're really starting to get the Carlos Correa that we know, um, you know, they could be even yeah. more dangerous. But um, yeah, this division, it I don't want to call it yet either because you never know. I mean, the the Guardians have they're one of the teams kind of like the Rays. They'll just find pitching performances. I mean, what. What uh, Tanner Bybee and um, Gavin Williams have done this past couple weeks, too, have been really, really good. Um, and they don't have Bieber right now. And maybe if they're able to get him back, they can make a run. I mean, I, it's only four and a half games. It's not, you know, crazy. And, it, I mean, if if Cleveland plays Minnesota and they sweep them one time, it's game and a half. I mean, yeah. it's really not out of the question there. But uh, Minnesota is definitely trending upwards at the moment. I would think this year's Guardians team may be one of the most impacted by the change in the schedule where they don't play as many teams from their own division. That's a team that could really feast on the weaker AL Central the last couple of years. This year they can't do that. The Twins are a little bit better, more well-rounded. It's allowing them to, I think, win a few more games that the Guardians would have otherwise been able to pick up on the teams in its own division. Yeah. I also think they might be one of the teams affected the most by the shift ban. That too. Yeah, they're, they're, they were that was a really very defensive team. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to the American League West now, where last time we talked, the Texas Rangers led the division by five games over the Angels, six games over the Astros, nine and a half games over the Mariners, and 28 games over the Athletics. Uh, well, let's look now, and the Texas Rangers still lead the division by three and a half games over Houston, seven and a half games over Seattle. Uh, the Angels have fallen to 12 and a half games out instead of five games, and Oakland is now 38 games back. So, hey, since June 27th, Oakland has only lost 10 games in this division, guys. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I tell you. It's they're, a feat in itself, all right? They got this. They got this. They're projected for 111 losses right now, which would mean they'd have to win 18 more games. And I don't see that happening. Uh, I mean, look at it this way: they only need to win seven games to not be the worst team of all time. I think they can listen, get there. I, yeah, we I'm are probably. we are we are on August fifteenth of recording this, and they have a negative two hundred and eighty-six run differential. It's insane. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, <laughs> like that is that is <laughs> astronomically bad. That is um, all the talk we're having on the Oakland Yeah. Well, I oh did want to say, I don't know if you saw their, I don't know if there's president or something like that, basically said that, like, hey, when we go to Vegas, like, we will spend on free agents because they invested in us, so we're, we will invest in the team. 
They spent so, on a free, there's they that. Spent, well, I mean, spending on free agents can be in anything. I mean, they spent on a free agent this year. I mean, yeah. they signed Jace Peterson. Like, I, I, <laughs> I they, yeah. they, they did have secular. some. They did sign Fujinami. Uh, what, Trevor May, Trevor May yeah. Led Diaz. But, anyways, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny what they said that Oh, day. yeah. That um, was hilarious. But looking up, you know, Texas, I mean, leading yep. this division still, staying strong. You know, Houston's made their little bit of a, a push here. I mean, it's only, a, what, two and a half games, but. They're only three and a half games back now, and they're a sneaky team. Now they got Verlander back. You know, Framber just had his no-hitter a couple weeks ago, even though he got lit up the next start after. But Houston's one of those dangerous, dangerous teams that could always make that little bit of a run here. Um, but overall, what do you guys what do you guys think of it? Yeah, I think – I mean, I, I really like this Rangers team right now. I mean, they're playing – they've been playing extremely well since the end of the uh, – since the, since the second half began. Um, you know, they've got Seegers healthy right now. Simeon's playing really well still. Like their, their whole, like their whole lineup is just, uh, they, they're really deep. And then the pitching staff, they added Max Scherzer, who I had been saying he was cooked because he looked awful in New York this year, but he, he's pitched pretty well for them so far. He's had a couple starts where he wasn't, didn't look great. And then this last start, he pitched seven innings of, shutout ball with 11 strikeouts so you know that's kind of we started to see the vintage max scherzer i think he's not the same guys he has been but he will show flashes he'll have starts where he's just the total dominant guy that he's that he has been i don't know if the consistency is going to be quite what it what it always has been but he's um you know he's going to help them jordan montgomery's uh, was a good pickup this team's I really think this team's going to hold on here in this division uh the astros are playing pretty well they're a lot healthier than they have been all year um i think frambor valdez he's pitched a ton of innings over the last couple of years he, he might be just a little bit worn down um but he, so he's he, he's slowed down just a little bit justin verlander being back it helps them uh their rotation depth was a problem and i don't think justin verlander is a number one anymore but he's still a, a pretty good starter you, you trust him with a playoff start um you know you look at um you know, in the offense, I mean, Altuve's finally playing and healthy, and you know, you've got Bregman and Tucker, and you know, just the whole crew on on offense. So I think that that the Astros are, are doing well. The rest of this division, the Mariners have been really hot since the second half began. That's been a lot of fun to see. Um, they actually sold at the at the deadline a little bit. They sold Paul Seawald. Of course, they did bring back a couple of major league pieces for him, so it was kind of a you know big league to big league trade, but still. Um, you know, they gave away their closer and they've just kept winning. Um, and you know, but can't, same can't be said for the angels. They went for it. The injuries just kept piling up. I mean, right after the trade deadline, Taylor, Taylor Ward got knocked out for the season. Like, you know, Otani's not healthy. He's been, you know, a little bit inconsistent on the mound and just, he's been, you know, dealing with fatigue and, you know, uh, I think he's had like some broke broken fingernail issue that's kind of affected him for a couple months too. You, that's one thing that is a concern with Otani is just he does so much and he's so good that that stress on the player they've done a great job managing that in in with with the Angels his entire career, but it's still that's so much on a player and you know at some point you know, you have to give him time off. And I think that they're giving him a start off. And, uh, but I mean, the angels have just kind of collapsed after all the injuries and everything. So, but, uh, I think the Rangers are going to hold on here. What do you think, David? 
So this is interesting because I think this is going to be the closest race coming down to the wire in the American League and maybe in all of baseball. It, it could be close with what the NL Central is kind of looking like. The thing about the Rangers is that Josh Jung is hurt. And he's been very, very good. He's been a well, rookie of the year contender for sure. Started the all-star game, uh, won, won 25 WRC+. Plus. He's been very good. The other thing about the Rangers is that getting Corey Seager back, Corey Seager has a 185 WRC+. Plus. Now, for the uneducated, WRC+, plus is just related to league average. 100 is league average. 85, 185 means you're going to be 85% better than the average player. That, if... Corey Seager were qualified would be number one in baseball over Shohei Otani by four points, four percent. That's absurd uh, that Corey Seager's throwing that together. And that is, I think, buoying the Rangers who are dealing with some of those injuries. And then you've got Nathan Eovaldi's also on the aisle right now. So that this is a Rangers team that's going to need superstar performance from Corey Seager, and they are getting it. And uh, they're getting superstar performance from Adolis Garcia, Marcus Simeon as well. Uh, you know, I think this is not a closed division. The Astros are really good. Kyle Tucker has been unheralded and excellent as he's kind of been his whole career. Jose Altuve's back with a 170 WRC plus. So he's also, you know, getting back to that superstar level after missing a bunch of the start of the season with the, the hand injury that he suffered in the World Baseball Classic. I don't think the Mariners are necessarily out of this thing yet either, because that's a team that we know can go on these late runs in the season and, and get, get kind of team of destiny feels. And, and that's a team that the offense has not uh, come to, to the level that we kind of expected them to be over the year. Julio Rodriguez is yet to hit to like a, w, a WRC plus at 120. Um, you know, you're looking at Cal Raleigh and some of those other guys, Eugenio Suarez, T. Oscar Hernandez. Those are all really streaky guys that could just put it all together for two months. I'm not calling this one at all. I think the Rangers are your favorite if you're betting, but I'm not betting on anything here. I think I think even the Mariners could make a sneaky little run at this, even though they're a little bit far back right now. Yeah, so I want to put a little bit more perspective on the season that Corey Seager's having, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey Seager in 2022 in 151 games for the Rangers, hit 33 homers, hit had a 117 WRC plus and a, a, a 40 or 4.5 WAR, right? This season in 76 games, he has 20 homers already, batting 346, a 185 WRC plus, has the exact same WAR at 4.5 in half the games. If Corey Seager was qualified with his 76 games, you mentioned his WRC plus would be first. With 76 games, he would be tied for 10th on the WAR leaderboard with his teammate Adolis Garcia, who currently has 30 homers, 91 RBIs and a 134 WRC plus everybody else in the top 20. I mean, I guess Bellinger's 19th with 87 games at a 3.9. If he were to have a hundred games with all these other ones, having 112 to 120, he'd be, he'd be right there in war with Ronald Acuna jr. And Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani for batters at above six. Like he's tied for 10th right now in 76 games. It is insane. The season that he's having, like he's already 0.9 war off his career season. And that was in 145 games in 2017 for the Dodgers that year. 
like the, the season he's having is just incredible. And because he's missed so much time, which has been a problem of Seager's before, it's not being talked about enough because, mm-hmm. you know, the Rangers have been so good with Adolis Garcia and the pitching and Nathan Eovaldi, and they've had a lot of other storylines. But, man, if you get him into the playoffs and he's healthy, like that instantly changes what that Rangers team really looks like. If I had to preliminarily pick like a guy who you would think is like the highest percent to win World Series MVP right now, I'm picking Corey Seager. Yeah. Just he's he's the kind of guy who's so consistent that that's the type of performance that will carry through the playoffs, just no matter who he's facing. He walks a ton, he doesn't strike out, hits for a ton of power, especially right now. And he's playing shortstop, you know, and for one of the teams that we think is probably, you know, one of the playoff favorites once you get to the the playoffs right here you know world series favorite type of team in the texas rangers hey just saying we've seen what he's been able to do in a playoff series in that ballpark just saying (laughs) uh because the dodgers won the happened uh happened to see that one was that it was that it uh, was that in uh at the texas rangers ballpark or at disneyland Uh, got him. So we would like to make a formal announcement that Matt has been kicked off the Batflip <laughs> podcast. Um, and we'll, we will now be skipping the NL East in the division oh, breakdown. And the NL East. Straight no, to the about. NL Central. I'm almost this excited no, but... to talk about the New York Mets as my Braves. Uh, there you yeah. go. That's, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to the NL East now where uh, – let me get this – pull this up real quick. Last time we talked, the Braves led the division six and a half games over the Marlins, ten and a half over the Phillies, 16 games over the Mets, and 21 games over the Nationals. Uh, looking today, Braves, best team in baseball right now, leading by 11 and a half games over the Phillies. Uh, the Marlins are third now with four, back 14 games. The Mets are 22 and a half games back, and then the Washington Nationals are 23 and a half games back. Matt, go ahead and make fun of Steve Cohen. Let's talk about how the Washington Nationals are one game behind the Mets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Mets the Mets right. ran out a lineup on Saturday that I, I think a Triple A team could have beat. I mean, it really like that. It really is honestly just insane i mean part of it and they they really didn't trade that many players out of their lineup it's kind of the crazy thing like they like fam and canha got, get traded were you know that those were a couple pieces but like you know and starling Marte's out but i mean they ran out of lineup that was like i mean it, i think i think if i went to a triple a game i would have expected to see that lineup and of course they got beat 21 to 3 in that game gave up a home run to nicky lopez and four hits in his first start as a brave and then um i mean it's just i mean the mets are bad but anyways this division the braves are going to win the division i mean it's clear cut right now um they're by far the best team here over the last 30 days. They have a 138 WRC plus, and it's probably been their worst stretch of the season because the pitching's been bad. They're starting to get healthy on the mound. Uh, Max Fried's back. Um, you know, they're going to get Kyle Wright back potentially in September. Um, and it did suck to see yesterday. Today, Ozzy Albies went on the IL with a, I think it's kind of a minor hamstring strain. So he'll probably be back sometime in September, but uh, you don't like to see that, but um, that team's really good. The Phillies are probably the biggest story here right now, as they've played or had a really, really good month, put themselves in position to be in the in the wild card, uh, maybe even that number one wild card. 
um, as they've been extremely good. They've honestly they're they're winning so many tight games right now. It's kind of like what the Marlins were doing earlier this year. Um, it's um it's been really entertaining to to see them and. I mean, it's, it seems like they're finding ways to win instead of finding ways to lose uh, every night, like just in close games. So uh, the Marlins were like that early in the year. They went through a really bad stretch for, you know, a few weeks, but they've kind of rebounded a little bit. They're back to, you know, six games over 500. They're still in the race. In fact, Fangraphs gives them a greater than 50-50 chance to make the playoffs again. So, uh, you know, that's that, that would be incredible for the Marlins if they can pull off making the playoffs this year. They did add at the deadline. Some of their pieces have done pretty well. Jake Berger's had a really good couple weeks since he came over from the White Sox. So that's been fun to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, this division, I mean, it's the Braves division to lose. Um, they're, you know, obviously going to win this one. It's really not going to be close. It's kind of get ready for the playoffs for them. The Phillies, they still got to keep winning, but they seem to be in the best position to be in the wild card. So, um, you know, and then we'll see what happens with the uh, we'll see what happens with the Marlins. Phillies and the Marlins could be really interesting to watch down the stretch here. Yeah, you you know, for a division that doesn't have a whole lot going on at the top. Right. I, I mean, I think I, it's, it's pretty easy to stick the fork in the Braves. I think this one's over. Uh, you know, the Braves are going to win the NL East. This one's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Uh, and, you know, you're you're looking at the, the Phillies and the Marlins are fighting for the wild card. And, you know, Miami's. MVPs have been Luis Arias and Jorge Soler, who, you know, Arias is still hitting 366, which isn't quite a 400 chase, but there's nobody in his stratosphere right now in terms of batting average. I think Cody Bellinger's like 340 or something. Nobody's close right now to to Luis Arias in terms of batting average, and and he's been able to parlay that into a 142 WRC plus with a 6% strikeout rate, which is obscene. Uh, and Jorge Soler's hit 30 bombs, which if Matt Olson wasn't in the division hitting 42 already, and, and we're in the middle of August, yeah, 43 in the middle of August, you know, we'd be talking about Jorge Soler as maybe like the the most valuable like power hitter of this of this league, but he's the maybe the best non-brave in terms of power to this point this season. Uh, I, I like this Marlins team. I like the addition of Jake Berger. I really think he will be really good. The the one guy that they put in who's who's gone nuclear early on is Josh Bell, who has hit five home runs since coming over in 12 games. That's surprising because Josh Bell's kind of MO is that he goes gets hot for two weeks, goes cold for a month, gets hot for two weeks. The Marlins just need to hope that he can have that hot stretch right as those games really start to matter going down into into September. The other guy I want to highlight in this division is C.J. Abrams, uh, just for the Washington Nationals. He has started hitting leadoff a couple of months ago and has been absolutely excellent uh, for for the Nationals. He's gotten his season slash uh, up to 255, 306, 413. We talked about him struggling a lot. He's at he's up to being almost a league average hitter now this season with a really hot last two months. Uh, you know, he's got to 11 home runs. He's about to hit 30 steals. And he's playing, you know, solid, not spectacular shortstop defense as a, you know, 22-year-old. So, you know, this is one of the primary 
you know, returns for Juan Soto. Nationals fans have to be excited that C.J. Abrams is starting to kind of step into a starting shortstop role, figure out major league pitching, and kind of having that breakout couple of months that I think it's always been expected of him to be this kind of leadoff, steal, stolen base guy with a little bit of pop in the bat. He he looks the part right now, and you know at 22, I think the sky's the limit for a guy who used to be a top 10 prospect. Yeah, it's CJ Abrams was one of those top prospects that you expected to break out. You knew it was going to take some time because he was still really young, and he, the approach that he had was going to have to develop over time. But he's he's really started to show that. The one guy that you know I wanted to, to mention is we haven't talked about him much this year. We talked about him a lot last year, but it's who's really starting to figure it out is Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. Since yeah, yeah. July started, he has a 2.75 ERA, and then if you go since the All Star break, a 2.45 ERA. In a 3.22 fit, like he's starting to figure it out. He just had a was a nine inning, ten strikeout, one run game. I believe it was who was that against? I think it was against the Yankees. Yeah, the Yankees <laughs> um, of all teams. We're just talking about how bad they look, but you know he's starting to really look good. Like a couple starts before that against the Phillies, eight innings, you know, no runs, five strikeouts at that point. The start before that against the Rays, a nine innings, one run, seven strikeouts, like. He's starting to turn into the Cy Young winner that we saw last year. And if the Marlins really want a chance to make this run into the playoffs and and in you know, maybe into the playoffs, they need a guy like Sandy to be back to his form. And it's you know, it's they're lucky that they're able to be in this spot where they're at right now with the season that Sandy has had. Uh, because, you know, he's supposed to be the guy that's really pushing them, you know, over the over the ledge there. Uh you know, so when they're in position battling for a wild card, now Sandy's starting to find it. Like that could be a really big thing for the uh, for the Marlins there. But you like you guys said the Braves. It's really going to be about getting ready for the postseason and the number one seed matchup. You know, the race to that, which it's got down to only four games now between the Braves and the Dodgers. So that's going to be one of those to watch. Um, which I actually think you might want to be the number two seed say, team at the moment. It's that's typically. Yeah. Yeah, the number two seed team right now in the AL, you'd have to be facing either the Phillies or the Giants um, in that next series. So that that is just one thing you know to watch. But the Braves are going to win this division easily. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to the NL Central, where the Milwaukee Brewers. Or sorry, last time we led or talked, the Reds led the division by half game over the Brewers. The Cubs were three and a half games back. The Pirates were five games back, and the Cardinals were eight back. Uh, we look now, Milwaukee has got that lead up to three and a half games over the Cubs. The Reds are also three and a half back. The Pirates are 12 back, and then the Cardinals are also 12 back. So a lot of ties there in that division. But uh, David, we know you're, you're a Cubs fan here. Milwaukee's got a three and a half game lead. What are you thinking about the NL Central? So what that doesn't tell you is that the Cubs fell to eight games back and brought it back to three and a half back since we've last talked. Um, so that's been absurd. Uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. You know, as July kind of started, the team really started to slump. It was really brutal, and the only guy hitting was Cody Bellinger. Uh, Stroman pitched really poorly there for a little bit. It turns out he was pitching injured. He's now on the IL and had a setback. So the Cubs aren't getting Marcus Stroman back anytime soon, but... They've made a lot of really big strides. They they removed Trey Mancini from the team, traded for Jamie Candelario. Uh, you know they've 
traded away Nelson Velasquez, who, you know, I didn't mention it on the Royals, but he's hit two home runs too since getting over there. I'm a, I'm a big advocate of what the Cubs are doing. And then Matt mentioned it earlier. The Cubs have a really easy strength of schedule going down until they've got the Braves and the Brewers last two games of the season or not last two series of the season. So literally the last series of the season is against what is probably the, the division fight. That, that Brave series too might be the Braves resting guys at, to a certain level. Yep. Yeah. And, and the, the Brewers series is, I think it might, it literally might, you know, be for the division. This Brewers team is good. They've gotten resurgence from Christian Yelich. Uh, they just made a trade at first base for somebody whom I'm suddenly yeah. spacing on. Um, Santana. Yes, Carlos Santana. Got, he, had a, he had a walk-off homer this week, Mark, didn't he? Mark Canna as well. Yep. Yeah, they got Mark, yep, Mark Canna too. So they've, they're both bolstering an offense that's been pretty poor with, outside of Christian Yelich and William Contreras. But this is a team that, you know, with Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff will be coming back. Freddie Peralta has been very, very strong this season. Woodruff did I, just come back, by the way. Yeah, Woodruff's back. So I expect the Brewers and the Cubs to be really fighting this one out. Uh, Cubs are going to have to utilize their, you know, the head-to-head matchups and their weaker schedule to, you know, go out there and take this division. It'll be it'll be a dogfight to the end. I, I you know, I love to see that, say I'm confident that the Cubs will get it. I'm not. Uh, but one of these teams will probably get in that wild card spot as well. Uh, that we'll talk about the NL West. The NL West has fallen off pretty drastically uh, in terms of like the Diamondbacks. So the Dodgers have not. Damien's shaking his head. The Dodgers have not fallen off. Everybody else around the Dodgers has collapsed horribly. Uh, you know, I, I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of, out of the Cubs and the Brewers. The Reds, not so much. Um, that that pitching is just not going to hold up. I don't think, and they they didn't make any moves at the deadline. I, I think that's going to kind of nail the coffin the, for the Reds. But what a what a story they've been able to put together. Matt McClain is making a case for NL Rookie of the Year against Corbin Carroll. He's going to fall short, but he has, I believe, a 130 WRC plus last I checked. It might be coming down now that he's finally starting to get figured out by the league. But uh, you know, Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, they've been very electric have the so, reds and and they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to make it happen 128 for matt mcclain yeah right now still there you go. yeah so, so yeah, he's he's very good yeah i agree um you know you look at this team and i'm glad that you talked about matt mcclain because everyone see it seems like all the attention goes to ellie Dela cruz which he's really good but i mean he does have a below 100 wrc plus like you know it needs to he's still a work in progress at the big league level at the plate he's got a 35 percent strikeout rate um it's going to take him a little bit of time matt mcclain's been awesome for them um you know the uh, spencer steers another guy who's been great for them uh but looking at this division as a whole um you know i think that the brewers are definitely the, the best team here um right now i i think that bringing woodruff back um is having that one, two at the top of that rotation is awesome. Their bullpen's really good. They've helped the offense. And honestly, I think some of their pieces that they have on offense have underperformed a little bit too. Like Willie Adamas. I don't think he's as bad as he's played so far. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that they're a really, really solid club. Uh, the Cubs have been playing awesome. I'm still a little bit concerned about, the, you know, just the depth of that team. I know Cody Bellinger has been great this year. 
Um, you know, you look at um, Dansby Swanson has been really good for them. I just some of that depth and Candelario has been awesome since the trade deadline too when they got him. But some of that depth just concerns me a little bit. Nico Horner's good. Hap is fine. Like it's just uh, I don't know. The pitching depth isn't great. Like they're running yeah. Tayon out there a lot. Uh, you know, I I think that there's some regression there from Steele and Stroman from what they were doing earlier. They're still good, but they're not quite like two ERA type guys. They're more of like low to mid threes ERA type guys. But you know, think going Stroman's forward, found it. Steele hasn't. Yeah, I, I think I think Ste- I think Steele's I think Steele's gonna be that guy, right? I think Stroman's. Stroman was pitching above his weight. Yeah. He's come back to it. I think, and, and that was with a really brutal stretch that is resulting in an injury. I don't think yeah. um, that it was fully indicative of Stroman, but I think Steele's Steel's going to end up in our Cy Young conversation at the end of the year. He's been ex- absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, he's been and awesome. Performance, performance like that around a team like the Cubs who desperately needed a, a an ace-level pitcher that is celebrated celebration worthy. Um, you know, I think the Cubs, have, the, the fluff of the roster that didn't work is gone. And I think the, the offense is the best offense in the NL central it, with the reds. It's, it's close with the reds. The, the big problem is going to be, can the Cubs get that pitching performance out of the Kyle Hendricks spot, the Stroman spot, which is currently Javier Assad, who pitched a really good game on Friday. He'll be going again tomorrow. And the Jamison Tyon spot. If they can get good performance from those guys, you know, that's it. I like the Cubs. If they can't, I, I, I'm very nervous. I was going to say St. Louis probably has the best offense in the division, but their pitching <laughs> staff is so bad that it doesn't matter. <laughs> but... I, I'm I'm acting like they don't exist because yeah. they are not. Yeah, they are yeah. out of the play, out of the yeah. race. We're celebrating. Yeah. It's excellent. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I I don't totally disagree. Like I say, I, I just I don't think I'm quite as high on some of the the pieces no, yeah. that have come up. But I mean, they're the Cubs are good and, and they they're a lot better than I expected them to be this year. And I think they're probably more likely than not to be playing in October, um, past October second, which is the day the regular season ends. Uh, but um, right. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the Reds have been awesome just in the way that I think they're real similar to what the Orioles were last year. They're a team that's punching above its weight pretty heavily, but, you know, it's giving them a lot of confidence and momentum going forward. Mm-hmm. They probably made a wise decision not buying at the deadline, especially with the fact that a lot of the pieces that did get moved were rental players, which I don't think that it would have been that wise. Would have them them. To, it, would, it probably wouldn't have helped them. If, if someone who was a long-term, like, gonna be there three or four years got moved maybe but that pitching staff is just kind of collapsed and honestly like you know coming into the season we thought the pitching staff might be the thing that carries them a little bit because of hunter green and nick lodolo and you know some of their prospects that are that are close to the big leagues and you know we saw some flashes from other guys like graham ashcraft in the past but it just didn't really happen and and injuries have played a big role there and, and maybe if they get hunter green and nick lodolo back you look at a team that has a couple of good pitchers at the top of the rotation. The bullpen's been okay to, to decent, especially with, you know, Alexis Diaz has been really good. And then you've got a lineup that scored a lot of runs and, and it's been electric. So, you know, I don't think they're going to end up winning the division this year. But, I mean, a good goal for them is finish out this season well and, and finish above 500, kind of like what the Orioles did last year. And then next year, yeah. 
take that momentum and you know carry it over and and you know make a real run at it and and honestly i don't think that the reds are going to be quite as opposed to spending a little bit of money as people think they will because i mean in the past we have seen them make sign some free agents that weren't just like bargain bin free agents i mean they signed mike mustakas they signed nick castellanos you know they signed sonny gray they've signed yep. a bunch of guys it just Joey Votto had a big Joey Votto was on a, a huge ago. contract. Like yep. they've signed guys. So it's not like they've never signed anybody ever. Like something like the A's where there's just there's no way they're gonna sign anybody or the Rays or, or whatever. Like the Reds, they've you know, they'll they'll try to sign somebody. They're probably not gonna be in for like an Otani type, but no nah. you know, they'll they'll try to They sign. could also make a trade. They could Yeah, I was trade. just gonna say they need they're to make gonna a be trade. They're going to be one of the sneaky ones with all that infield depth yeah. they have, they have so, to make a trade. They have so many guys that are going to be blocked at the at the upper levels of the minors that they need to make yeah. a trade pretty soon. So, um, But yeah, and you're looking at the other teams. I mean, the Cardinals and Pirates have been disappointing this year, and obviously we know with the, about the Cardinals. The Pirates haven't had a lot going for them lately, so um, I don't think they've been – I think they've really – They've given up. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of a disaster for them right now because a lot of their pieces for the future aren't performing very well or have gotten hurt. Uh, that's kind of the big thing. Like the guys who are performing well for them right now are like Andrew McCutcheon, who's not really a part of the future. I mean, I guess Brian Reynolds is still playing pretty well, but yeah, like, uh, you know, they're pitching. Mitch Keller's taking a huge step back in the second half. Like. A lot of those pieces that you're thinking in the future, this is going to be the guys that kind of are the core for the Pirates. They just haven't really produced. Henry Davis has not been playing well. Like, um, you know, we'll see what happens with them. But, um, I, you know, that, that's Man. kind of been a rough year for them. Defense ratings do not like Henry Davis. No. I mean, he's I playing, he's he's doing a little he better. shouldn't be playing outfield. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's a, a catcher playing outfield. He's a catcher playing outfield. Oh, um, yeah. You know. That'll do it. I don't know why they could yeah. have a, a nasty catching duo if they just went with Henry Davis think, and Andy yeah, Rodriguez. Yeah, I think the problem is yeah. I think Henry Davis turned out to not really be good at all at catching. So yeah, yeah, I, th- I think he's not a yeah, he's not a good so catcher either, and that's not good. Like a DH type. Maybe play him Andy at first Rodriguez. and see what you got yeah. from there. That's true. They don't have Andy Rodriguez. He hasn't been hitting though. Is the problem? Right. He's well, got like yeah. a 87 WRC yeah. plus. I mean, he's young. He's not good. He's a rookie. You know, yeah, it'll, he's got time. Definitely got time. A lot of these Pirates guys do have time. You know, we talked early in the season about maybe, you know, are oh, the Pirates, is this their, you know, start of their breakout, we, you know, similar to the Reds, similar to the Orioles last year. It doesn't look like uh-huh. it. And, you know, at least they did get Brian Reynolds signed to that extension. That's maybe the one thing the Pirates fans can take away from this season. It's something. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to the NL West now, where last time we talked, the Diamondbacks were leading this division two and a half games over the Giants. Uh, three games over the Dodgers, ten and a half games over the Padres, and seventeen and a half over the Rockies. Uh, fast forward to today, the Dodgers lead this division by nine games over the Giants, thirteen games over the Diamondbacks, sixteen games over the Padres, and twenty-six games over the Rockies. Um, this was fueled that by a twenty-two and eight stretch from the Dodgers followed by or with a 8 and 22 stretch for the Diamondbacks which is tied for the worst in baseball with the Oakland A's which as we were just talking about the Oakland A's uh, are not good so um you know they're San Francisco they've been playing 500 ball over the last like 30 days but the Dodgers have really found their groove there the trade de- deadline additions they've made have 
all basically turned out to be, you know, good. They put them in their situations to do it, and it just seems like typical Dodgers baseball again. Their their pitching's been really well. The the hitting they are going back to the platoon platoon style where Kike Hernandez and Ahmed Rosario are able to crush the lefties, and then you know you get David Peralta and Jane, Jason Hayward and and them to play against the righties and. Um, but you know, really, it's like this fall off from the Diamondbacks. I think we all knew there was going to be a little bit of regression there. I don't know if we thought there was this much regression there, though. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to predict a team that's in first place to go eight and twenty-two in their next, you know, thirty games. But at the same time, I mean, the Diamondbacks seemed a little bit like fool's gold for a while because the pitching depth's just not there. The, the bullpen's not great. You know the the rotation is has the top end and and, and Gallon, but then after him it's like Merrill Kelly's fine as like a number three type starter, but you really like don't have many big league arms there behind those two guys. And then you know you're relying on rookies who Brandon Fott might have the most hittable fastball I've ever seen. At, you know even though he throws it pretty hard, like you know they they just you know they're relying on those types of guys. And then I mean they're just not a their offense is still good. I mean, Corbin Carroll wasn't going to have a 150-something WRC-plus all year. And, you know, I, I think Lourdes Gurriel came back to earth. And they've, they've they've just had some bad vibes, too. Like, they've lost a lot of close games. And it's just been kind of one of those months that they've just kind of fallen apart. But, um, you know, you look at uh, look at the rest of the division. I mean, the Dodgers are playing really well. Um, they, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see what they end up piecing together for their postseason rotation but the pieces they picked up at the deadline have been really good um i mean the offense is great for them especially with with the top end the, the top three or four in the line in the in the lineup with you know freeman and bats and smith and i mean those guys are all playing extremely well um you know the padres are still just doing what they've done all year they're stuck in the mud they seem to not be able to get out of their own way there's just it just seems like some there's been something off with that team all year and i mean it, it just continues like they cannot win close games to save their lives i mean they're like historically bad in like one run games and in extra inning games which is i mean that's really they haven't they haven't won an extra innings game yeah. they're so winless in extra yeah, innings and, games and they're played, 0 and 10 and they played a lot of them like they played like they're 10, 0 and yeah. 10 yeah i was going to say they played like 10 that's or 12 crazy. like they they played so many of them i mean if you go five and five in those, you're looking at what sixty-one and fifty-seven. And then, they're over five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like because you would expect to go about five hundred in extra inning games, but just for whatever reason, the Padres have just been in meltdown mode late in games and in close games. And then, um, but and the Giants are the Giants are interesting. Their offense is so bad right now, but man, they just continue to somehow piece it together and stay afloat. I mean. This team is def looks to me like they're probably going to end up being in the playoffs, and I don't know how with the names on that roster and, and the way that they've hit the ball. I mean, it's kind of remarkable that they're still 63 and 56 in a division that has turned out to not really be as tough. I mean, the Dodgers obviously are, are extremely tough, but like, you know, the Diamondbacks aren't what we thought they were. The Padres aren't what we thought they were. The Rockies are, are what we thought they were, which means it's not tough. Um, but yeah, they've been, you know, they've been good. And then the Rockies to me are just, I don't, 
I mean, they're what they're, they're they're one of those teams. It's kind of like the A's and the Pirates. Like they have not had anything go right with players coming up, new players, like guys who could be there for the future. They just had nothing's gone right for those guys, and not that there were that many to start with for the Rockies because their front office ownership, whatever, is just terrible at this. But um, I mean, like nope, Chris Bryant can't stay healthy and. The whole team's just that. That team's a train wreck. But uh, I mean, the Dodgers easily, I think, right now are going to win the division. I mean, it's they got a nine-game lead with a month and a half to play, and none of these teams behind them look to be even, you know, other than the Giants have a pulse, and the Giants aren't very aren't don't have a lot of upside. So I mean, it, this division's a wrap, and uh, the Giants should be the team to watch here, whether they can make the playoffs or not. I want to highlight two performances on the hitting side in this division. I want to highlight Haseong Kim yeah, he's for the good. Padres, who has a 130 WRC plus, and he has some of the best defense at second base um, in the majors right now. Uh, he's currently sitting at 4.4 Fangraphs wins above replacement, 15 homers, 27 steals. He's been a five-tool guy. He's been really, really strong this season. It is not translating into into wins for the Padres at all, uh, but he has been really, really strong. The other guy I want to highlight quick is Wilmer Flores for the Giants, who has a 140 WRC plus and 15 home runs. Uh, he uh, formerly of New York Mets and crying when he got traded on the field. Uh, fame is kind of settled into this role as kind of a DH first base uh, masher for the Giants and you know he doesn't always play every game but he's really been able to kind of carve out a career in in San Francisco as being a a really really reliable hitter of over league average every single season he's really good and it's uh it's translating well into at least you know some of the Giants success on offense yeah and you mentioned that uh Hassan Kim has is tied for second in reference war in the NL too. Yeah. Tied with Mookie Betts. So, yeah, he's been he's it's it's funny cuz it just isn't translating. It isn't translating to the Padres are a better team because they've got Juan Soto, Haseon Kim entering the conversation of as a star player and Fernando Tatis who's been, you know, himself since he got back. It just isn't mattering. So, and no. Uh... Not to confuse Wilmer Flores with his brother Wilmer Flores, by the way. Yeah, I think he's, a, po- the he's a prospect in the Tigers. The Tigers are an organization, they, I believe. I think they even have a third brother also named Wilmer Flores. They all have different middle names, but who's the other? Who's the other player? There's somebody else who has that too. His I don't. the brother is the same name as the. I can't remember who it is. I don't know that. I know the old story of Madison Bumgarner dating a girl named Madison Bumgarner, though. I thought that was pretty that's, funny too. Yeah, that's a good one. By the way, y'all mentioned Fernando uh, Tatis Jr. He's only got a 115 WRC plus now on the season. He is. Yeah, he's really list. struggled yeah. of late. Really struggled. Um, yeah. But one thing I did, you mentioned the, what their playoff rotation would look like for the Dodgers. Um, they did get Kershaw back this week. Julio Urias is starting to find it. Um, since June 25th, he has a 2.25 ERA and a 2.85 FIP. Um, and then what happened this last week when they were in Arizona, uh, Walker Buehler threw a live batting practice session, and there is some stuff that he wants to come back late in the season as a starter. Um, so that'd be huge. That would be huge. And also uh, Blake Trinan did as well. So that would be another addition to that bullpen, which we know how nasty Blake Trinan is. Yeah. Um, so could potentially have. 
um, Walker Buehler back along with Kershaw, Urias, and Lance Lynn has been pretty good since he's come over as well. But anyways, uh, so that's going to wrap it up for the division breakdown portion here. Um, anything of a, a kind of an overview that either of you guys want to talk about? Just, you know, it was a little bit. Now we're here almost two months later, but kind of an overview of the division breakdowns in, in general. Yeah, I mean, just uh, we're getting down to the closing stretch of the season. You definitely have the playoff races taking shape. I mean, you can eliminate a bunch of teams from contention right now and even teams that that were buyers at the deadline and stuff and uh it's gonna be an interesting rest of the season i know that with with the way that the schedule is changed this year um you're gonna have a lot of scoreboard watching where you're probably not gonna have as many teams in these division races like the central divisions and the you know like the, in the in the al east like they're not gonna be facing off against each other quite as much as maybe in the past which kind of sucks in a way, but you know you're also you're gonna be watch, seeing a lot of uh you know, uh watching the watching the scoreboards and uh, it's gonna be an interesting close to the season. The wild card races are both gonna be really crazy. Uh, it'll come down to the last day again, I'm sure for for one of them. And uh yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean it's you know we've just got six weeks left, so a month and a half, and it's getting close. Yeah, I, I think the the divisions you can kind of call are the NL East and the NL West. Uh, other than that, I think everything's still pretty much up for grabs. So that's nice. We got four four divisions in baseball to be watching out for this uh, this playoff race season. So uh, always good to have some competitiveness here going coming down the home stretch. Well, and then tight wild card battles as well. Yes, which is which is good to hear. But. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump over to players of the week and wrap the show up real quick. So David, who do you got for your player this week? I am going to take George Kirby. I'm going to cheat just a tiny bit and take his last two starts. Uh, you know, last start, he threw a complete game uh, three hitter against the, the division leading Baltimore Orioles, uh, seven strikeouts, zero walks. Uh, the game before that, George Kirby put together seven innings against the Angels uh, with three hits, one earned run, and five strikeouts, and again, zero walks. George Kirby is sitting on the season with a walk rate, uh, walks per nine rate, under one. This guy doesn't walk anybody. We've talked about that at length. He also throws the fastball at like 97 miles an hour, but just these last two starts, 12 strikeouts, 16 innings pitched, zero walks. Just don't see that in the modern game. A guy with this kind of nasty stuff, just filling the strike zone and preventing guys from hitting the ball hard. Uh, you know, there's if there's a guy on the uh, on the Mariners that I think I'm taking going forward as like a Cy Young contender type, it's George Kirby. He's he's another level man. I I think this guy's a, a superstar pitcher in the making. So I've always been on the George Kirby train. We know that you have You've um, been there from the beginning. From the beginning. But what I will say, David, is that uh, nine-inning game where he gave up zero runs there, it was a scoreless game that the Mariners ended up losing in 10 <laughs> to the Orioles. Yikes. That one. Love that. Um, yeah, Kirby was pissed Not on his that. fault. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> Not his the, fault. He caught the pop-up in the ninth to get the last out. Uh, it was in Seattle to give them a chance. And he literally just like turned around, looked at everyone, just like threw the ball in disgust. And then just like told the dugout, like, let's effing go. Like, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. uh, so George, George Kirby's a legend. Um, 
that I was I was watching a lot of that start because uh, I have him on a fantasy team as well. Um, so he was just absolutely disgusting. I was watching with a couple of buddies who were like, they're like, George Kirby throws 99. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. He, he, throws yeah, 99. he does. He throws 99 and he has like a 20 to one walk to strike out or strike out to walk ratio or something stupid. So um, he, he's insane. Um, but anyways, Matt, let's go over to you now. So who do you have for your player this week? So my player of the week is going to be Matt Olson. Who, Shocking. <laughs> he has been <laughs> on fire. Uh, over the past week, he's hit 414 with a 575 on base and an 862 slugging. Uh, he's hit four home runs. Um, just he's been insane. I mean, over the, on the season now, he's up to 43 homers, 107 RBIs, which is crazy. Uh, he recently went on a streak of like 12 straight games with an RBI, which is kind of hard to believe and of course you know with the rbi stat like sometimes it can get kind of you know you, you throw it out a little bit because it depends on if guys are getting on base in front of you which of course isn't a problem for Matt Olson, but you know hit behind acuna typically albies and then riley but he um he's been i mean he's been spectacular he's up to five world in the season um which is a career high or it's about to be a career high and um, honestly, if Acuna doesn't win MVP, I think the only reason that would be is because Matt Olson hit like 61 or 62 homers, and people are going to vote for the guy who hit 62 homers because that is kind of in the realm of possibility at this point. Like, he's on pace for 60 mm-hmm. right now. So I don't know if he'll keep the pace up. I kind of doubt it. I mean, it's so hard to keep that pace up all year, but this guy has been absolutely insane. Um, for the last for a long stretch, and this last week has been just a cherry on top of it. It's been fun to watch. The problem for Matt Olson in terms of the 62 home runs is that 60 in the NL, that's been done, man. That's been done by like four guys. Not so well, I mean, or three. I think it's three guys. There will be people voting for it. He's of the he's entering the conversation. I yeah. don't disagree with you, but. I mean, it's been done. The whole point of the judge thing last year was that no one had done it other than Roger Maris in the AL. And judge getting there was, you know, a big deal because no one had gotten it in the AL. Even if Olsen hits 65, he's still third or or I think fourth in the NL in terms of players who've quantified 60 homers in the the NL. So it it makes it tougher to, to... you make it a historical milestone, but I, I love the season Matt Olson's having, dude. He, he is definitely entering the MVP conversation. The problem is, is that he's not even like, he's not even the best first baseman right now. Cause Freddie Freeman's just been so yeah. dang good. It, it's just that Matt Olson has more homers, more RBIs. He's been a more, you know, classical statistical player when it, you know, and, and Freddie Freeman is more of a strong analytical on base percentage, you know, outs above average player. It's just, you know, it's going to be preference at that point. And I think those two, both of them have, you know, a good teammate playing in the outfield with them, right? Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna. Those guys are, all four of them are going to be drawing votes away from each other for this MVP race. It's going to be, it will be, I think, who gets the best milestone in terms of between Olsen, Acuna, whether Freddie can get like a 430 on base percentage or something. Like, it'll have to be something significant, I think, to to draw votes 
in, yeah. in that race. That may be the most important, or not important, but the most interesting award race going down yeah. to it. Because there's mean, a lot of guys who could win. If, it. if Acuna continues to play at the pace he's at, like there's no way anybody passes him. But if he had a bad September or a bad month or got half, hurt, he, like, he or got hurt, he has missed time before. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean like the, the, that being counted as a bad month, like him getting hurt or him, mm-hmm. you know, if there's something happens to Acuna to, that causes him not to play at the pace he's at, like you know Olsen would be in that conversation and and like I say I mean last year that AL record was a big deal but at the same time like a lot of people thought that that record was you know such a big deal because it was the highest anybody had ever hit in the non-steroid era too yeah so that's something I mean if you remember Giancarlo Stanton hit 59 and won MVP um, Mm -hmm. he probably wasn't the best analytical player and I'm not saying that I would vote for Matt Olsen I'm just saying that if he somehow if he got to 60 or 61 or 62 like he would there would be a lot of people he would need to out homer yeah he would need to out homer judge in my in my mind yeah he would would need to get 63 i think at least to have a conversation yeah get to like one if he could get to above manny ramirez's rbi total that might be huge too if he could get a couple of months of 25 rbis here and get up to 150 160 nobody's done that in a long time yeah so I believe you guys are debating who's going to finish second in the MVP to Freddie. Unreal. <laughs> Freddie's got a perfectly reasonable chance. Man. I, I just, I just think he Freddie's does. getting. Just... He just doesn't have those flashy numbers, and that's what's going to make it difficult for Freddie. Yeah. He's, he's so consistent. But, he does it every day. He's, you know, two for four every day. Yeah. I'll say the other thing too, like the the, the biggest knock that people have on Acuna is the defense, and some metrics really like his defense, and some really don't like his defense. Like he's yeah. got a positive DRS. I mean, it's not like he's a he's disaster. fighting he's yeah. fighting against first baseman. The defense, yeah. the fact that he can play outfield is already exactly. a bonus. Like, yeah, just yeah. None of those guys uh, can put together what Acuna's putting together in in right field. As much as I love Freddie, and I think he could probably play third base. <laughs> yeah, he played pretty good there. He, when he, played he could. The Braves a few years ago. He could. He could. I. It's just who's your player of the week, Damian? Yeah, uh, we'll we have a lot of time to debate that one later but uh my player of the week that i went with this week is uh bobby witt uh he this last week batted 423 464 uh 731 slugging 228 wrc plus uh 0.6 war had the fastest inside the park home run that has ever been seen i think it was 13.4 seconds is what it was for his inside the park homer which is insane insane speed there um you know, Bobby Witt was a guy that last year was probably the rookie of the year favorite. Most people thought really, really struggled, you know, only a 99 WRC plus 2.3 war was really bad defensively. And then you look this, you know, he still had 20 homers, 30, 30 steals. Well, this year in, you know, 120 less plate appearances, he already has more homers, more steals. He's batting 277, has a 116 WRC plus. His defenses went from a negative 4.2 uh, defensive value to 13.6 defensive value this year a uh, 4.6 war like on the season he's already he's ninth in war on the season for and, and it's not really even talked about because he plays on a really bad royals team so i really wanted to highlight what bobby witt has done this week and not and and also his season um it's been really yeah. phenomenal there the other guy that i kind of wanted to to pick was just to give a, sh- a shout out to is Trey Turner 
has been one of probably the worst shortstop signing so far this year. Mm-hmm. And he's since July 31st, he's batting 327, 373 on base, 545 slugging and a 147 WRC plus. It seems like Trey Turner starting to find the WBC Trey Turner and the Trey Turner that we've known uh, for the history uh, of his career. So I wanted to just mention him as well because he had a really great week. Was actually tied with Bobby Witt and War um, there, but uh, Bobby Witt was the guy that I really, really wanted to highlight because his season has been insane, and I think the player that we thought he was going to be, and it's not really being mentioned because he plays on a really, really bad team in the Royals. He's already at 20 homers, 30 steals. He was he yeah. did that last year, and we I said that was pretty impressive, and. He's already there, and we got a month and a half to go, so he could realistically get to thirty, forty. Very impressive. So you know, he's and he's playing elite defense at shortstop. That that's yeah. fantastic. Worth noting that. Um, oh, I had something on Trey Turner. Maybe not anymore. I think it's I think it's worth noting that Trey Turner's World Baseball Classic. I think that kind of. I don't want to say it, it tilted his expectations, but maybe it tilted his personal expectations. I don't. I don't think it's the World Baseball Classic something that tires you out or was something that you no. can point to as fatigue. But he, Trey Turner's been bad this season. Kyle Schwarber's been bad this season. Shohei Otani's experiencing fatigue at this point. Mike Trout's been hurt. Like a lot of those World Baseball Classic guys have experienced some issues. The thing is, like you talk about that, but I mean. I think that Trey Turner. It's ultimately anecdotal. I was gonna say Trey Turner's got a lot of. I think it's you know he's on a new contract with a new team and stuff. It's probably you know played into that a little bit. He's chasing a ton, probably trying to do too much. Like you look yeah. at uh, I mean Mike Trout, ham eight bones. That's not a, that's not a world baseball classic. It's not controllable. Yeah, I mean that's just kind of a freak yeah. injury type thing that can happen to anybody. I mean Otani, you could maybe make an argument for, but I mean. I don't know. I mean, this was coming for Otani anyways. The fact that he has gone as long as he has without having something like this has been absolutely unbelievable. That he has gone like a good three years now without having any kind of like having to take a break because of fatigue or because of, you know, uh, something, some little nagging thing. Like, it's just insane that he's been this long without doing that. So, I mean, it was going to happen at some point with him. It's part part of his future is going to be having to take a couple starts off every now and then because you just cannot play every yeah. single day and pitch and stay fully healthy all year, every year. For you know, it's just not going to happen. So, um, you know, it's remarkable that he's done it what he has, and I mean, he's still even if he didn't pitch the rest of the year, he win MVP. So I'm not trying to diminish so Shohei Otani, but like. It's just one of those things um, that, that you got to work with with him and uh, manage with him. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if the World Baseball Classic has too, too much to do with it. Edwin Diaz, no, it, though. Well, um, yep. just to wrap, just a short little dinger to wrap up. Trey Turner talked about directly how he was pressing way too much um, and trying to play yep. not only to the big contract, yep. but he also said to the Phillies fans' expectations – he said that he was just trying way too hard at it, and I think it was actually Bryce. He said Bryce like kind of sat him down and was like, "Look, dude, like I did the same thing, so I know what you're going through, but you just gotta like trust yourself." And I will. It's one of the rare times Harold Reynolds actually did a good breakdown. I think it was Reynolds or DeRosa, one of them on MLB Network, about Trey Turner's stance and his. It was Mark DeRosa because they were talking about the. Um, World Baseball Classic video-wise. 
Trey Turner's went to a small, small step now in certain situations instead of his actual leg kick. I think it's in two strike counts, and it's unlocked his ability. Like he went from hitting like 190 in two strike counts, and he's hitting like 330 now, or something in them since he made that change. So it's a, it's a change there, and and something that Harper kind of sat Trey down and was like, "Hey, I know what you're going through. Just figure it out." So that might be what we're actually seeing him starting to to find himself again. But anyways, not enough guys, not enough guys are just putting maybe the ball in play should, with two strikes. Maybe Trey should get Harper down and teach him how to hit a home run. He's hit, he's hit homers. He's, he's started hitting. Bryce, Bryce's Bryce's problem is that he's got an elbow you know, brace that is he is not it, used to. He's just trying to do as much as he can. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Bryce will be back. I don't. Yeah. I, it's just tough for for a spot for him. So. He will. So, anyways, I think that's going to wrap it up for episode 138 of the Batflip Podcast. So, thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode, and we'll catch you guys back next week.